0: Good morning. It is Kale & Company live for a Thursday morning on WKXL, 1450 AM, 1039 FM in the Capital Region, 1019 FM in Manchester and beyond, and streaming around the clock and around the world at nhtalkradio.com. We welcome back to Kale & Company live Dan Weed of uh, Weed Family Automotive, 124 Store Street in Concord. You can make an appointment uh, right now, 603-225-7988. Bobby and Charlie standing by, or at least one of them. They're both there waiting for your phone call. Both there, folks. Ready to serve, 603-225-7988. Or you can also make an appointment at WeedFamilyAutomotive.com. Dan, we came into the station today. And we saw on the uh, on the wires uh, leading to our WKXL transmitter uh, a huge hawk. Yes. Yeah, some beautiful, how about that beautiful Cooper's hawk. Yeah, is that what it is? A yeah. Cooper's, Cooper's hawk. Cooper's hawk. Yeah. Uh, well, we we needed somebody with some uh, some bird background uh, to to straight. His cat and and I saw it and. Uh, we thought it was a hawk, but we didn't know it was a Cooper's hawk. Well, there are eagles in the area, so yeah. it could have, you know. I was thinking, I was uh, when I saw it, first glimpse, I thought it might have been an eagle. Uh, but it
1: is a, a Cooper's hawk. So how does that differ from, like, a, a red-tailed hawk? Uh, the difference is, is in size, actually. Yeah. So yeah. They, they vary in size. And Cooper's hawk is probably one of the largest hawk that we have in the area. Yeah. Red-tailed hawk. And then, interesting enough, as, as a lot of you guys know, I build and fly model airplanes, and so we have out of the flying field a gentleman that has been putting kestrel boxes out uh, so that they can nest and breed in the area, and the kestrel is one of the smallest uh, in the hawk family, so wow. kind of interesting to see the, the variety of wildlife we have in the area, and especially now we have the the comeback of the bald eagle, and uh, yeah. those are really cool to see uh, flying around, and we've seen some interesting uh, hunting action with those out of the field so
0: i am sure you have so uh, all kinds of wildlife here uh in the granite state and uh, we're only talking about the animals here yeah then. yeah in, yeah. in right. and out of the studio yeah, right right, right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, dan weed is here and if you have any questions uh, for dan or uh would like to uh, say something about your vehicle or make an inquiry uh you can call us uh we're live we can take calls 603-224 1450, 603 224 1450. Don't be shy. Dan will be happy to answer your automotive questions here on WKXL. And Dan, I guess it's that uh, that time of year again when uh, uh, people are getting their, their youngsters ready for back to school. Oh, yes. <laughs> whether it be college or, or maybe a junior, senior, even at high school, getting, getting the cars uh, ready
1: for fall. It is that time, and uh, before we know it, as much as I hate to admit it, uh, we'll have snow on the ground. Uh, as much as I enjoy it, other people do not. <laughs> but uh, well, that, I know you <laughs> love it. You love it, the, being the snowmobiler that you are, right? But uh, no, it is definitely we're coming into the fall season. Uh, it's time to get the cars geared up for wintertime, and particularly, like you said, the kids going back to school, and you know, get the college kids uh, if they're not already there, are uh, well on their way, and. You know, let's get these cars, if they are if they do have the opportunity to bring the car to college with them, and a lot of them don't, uh, let's get that car ready, set up. And, and really, we should have done this, unfortunately, several weeks ago. But, right. You know, Everybody likes to put it off until the last minute, well, right? Right. Yeah. Why be different? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And, uh, so, so what the, are the things they should be uh particularly aware of well you know a lot of times these cars sit around the college so I mean, one of the things that we want to look at is the battery and make sure that the battery is up to snuff you know if that battery is now three to four years old or go- even going on five years old may still be starting the car just fine but it's on a limited life t- at this point so let's consider changing that battery out if you're in that three to five year window mm-hmm. uh let's take a look at tires make sure the tires are you know particularly if they're going to be sitting around college uh and through the winter make sure that they're good for the winter time and You know, it really isn't too, too early yet to consider that, you know, if the kids are going off to college and the car is going to be used during the wintertime, that, you know, maybe we want to put a set of snow tires on it sooner than later.
0: Yeah, there you go. How how soon do people start putting snow tires on their
1: vehicles? We'll see them uh, starting late October or early November is typically the time frame. That early? Well, because sometimes that early we
0: have snow. I remember it was several years ago now, but... That Halloween snowstorm
1: we had. Yeah, it's funny you say that. We were I was talking with that somebody just yesterday, you know, that I think it was uh, now 11 or 12 years. that? Is, that, is it been <laughs> that long ago? Yeah. Wow. That we had the wow. Halloween
0: snowstorm. Yeah, but that was really something. I mean, that it seemed to come out of nowhere. Uh, I don't know whether it was predicted or not, but I don't think it was predicted to be as bad as it turned out to be uh, on Halloween. And, you know, I, as I recall, that was about it for the season. Exactly. It wasn't much right. after
1: that. Yeah, we had almost two feet of snow on Halloween. Of course, yeah. the ground hadn't froze up yet. Yeah, and it No, it didn't last long, and it was one of the very few storms we had that season. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, let's hope for your sake and the sake of uh, folks who like to ski and snowmobile and uh, and engage in all kinds of outdoor activities that we'll have lots of snow because it does help our state's economy. It and does. It's great for the uh, outdoor enthusiasts like yourself. So uh, let, let's hope we have a, a good uh, a good amount of snow uh, this this winter in in the Granite State, and uh, we we certainly uh, could use the precipitation. We haven't really had a whole lot of rain this summer. No, I think we're, a lot of a lot of parts of the state are still in uh, drought conditions and drought warnings. So. Yeah, oh no, no doubt about it.
1: But, so Dan, what else is going on in the automotive world these days? all, all sorts of things. Uh, I think the the biggest headline recently is coming out of Dodge and they are going to eliminate their sports car line so that uh, Dodge Charger and Challenger are going away next year. Really? Yes. Wow. Yep.
0: Boy, they've been around a long
1: time. Yeah that nameplate has been around since yeah. the 60s at least. Yeah. And, uh, you know it's been a, a great uh, run for them and it's an amazing car and some of the particularly the the higher end cars the, the hellcats and, and stuff that they have out there uh, great sports car awesome following and to see that they're gonna do away with this name and nameplate yeah uh, in the sake of coming out with uh, some electric vehicles mm. I-, I wondered if that was the reason they might <laughs> be doing away with the, the charger and the challenger and wow, wow that
0: that is amazing to think that they will be gone. And, uh, you know, and it really is. I mean, some of them now are, are antiques. They qualify as antiques. Yeah, it's scary for these, me to say yeah, this. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I recently picked
1: up a uh, 1984 GMC pickup truck, which is a, a line that I had done warranty work on, and yeah. it's considered an antique. Where does that leave me? Like 80, <laughs> 84. 84
0: you know, so was it twenty five years? years twenty five yeah. years to yeah. qualify right. as an antique. So that's certainly uh, that's like what thirty eight years old, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. So that's really an antique. But uh, but to see the Challenger and and the Charger uh, go away is, is is somewhat sad to uh, people who who love their vehicles and uh, and then that's that's a shame. But uh, I'm, I'm sure.
1: That is the way the industry is going uh, these days. Well, uh, coming over here, I saw one of the uh, e Mustangs driving around, and you know it seems more and more prevalent to see, of course, the Teslas, and I'd seen now uh, in the state two of the Rivian pickup trucks. So really, yeah, yeah, and uh, so you know, I, I think these electric vehicles are are here to stay. They're not going anywhere. Uh, whether they become mainstream or not is a whole different question. And you know the end game is all right to cut back on on the pollution, but you know there are some gasoline engines out there that we call them partial zero emission vehicles and or near zero emission vehicles, yeah so with the technology out there, it's pretty amazing that you're you're running a gasoline car with very, very little pollutants coming out the tailpipe,
0: yeah. So, you know, it's uh, it's it's an era where the electric cars are being pushed by uh, by this uh, administration, for sure. Uh, But uh, that's not. And, and, you know, obviously, to have the electric vehicles, you need the infrastructure to uh, to charge the vehicles. And, you know, I I, I know we're getting more and more uh, in the state. But, uh, you know, it's got to be a national thing where you have to be, you know, have to have
1: charging stations all over to to make it realistic. Oh, no doubt. I think that, you know, the biggest challenge is that, if you will, refueling network or recharging network out there. You know, there are places really and even in our state that you can go that there's no charging stations, I would say, you know, comfortably north of. Franconia notch there really isn't much as you know far as charging stations right and I was talking to a friend of mine whose parents have a place out in I believe it was Dakota somewhere and he tried to figure it out that you know going as far west as that he wouldn't be able to make it on a full charge uh, without a refueling network in place. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. That that's the, the real issue, and uh, for the electricity that uh, that you need, uh, you also need fossil fuels. Yes, yeah. Right. <laughs> we we can't do away with fossil fuels, Joe, if you want to have this uh, electric car network uh, <laughs> that you seem to so anxious to put in place. Dan Weed is with us from uh, Weed Family Automotive, 124 Store Street in Concord. You can give them a call right now. Bobby and Charlie standing by, 603 225 7988, or you can make an appointment online at Weed Family Automotive. If you'd like to talk with Dan, you can do it right now. We have an open line, 603 224 1450 1450. On 1450, wkxl and nhtalkradio.com we will be right back it is kale and company live right here on wkxl 1450 a.m 1039 fm in the capital region 1019 fm in manchester and of course 1450 a.m and NHtalkradio.com. Dan Weed with us today from Weed Family Automotive, 124 Store Street in Concord. 603-225-7988 is the number for Weed Family Automotive. Our number here at WKXL is 603-224-1450. And you're welcome to give Dan a call if you'd like some automotive advice or if there's something uh, wrong with uh, your vehicle, or you hear a crazy noise that uh, is unfamiliar to you, uh, Dan has heard them all over the years. So he might be able to diagnose what's uh, going on with your vehicle. So what else is happening, Dan? We heard about the Challenger and Challenger the Charger, and Charger.
1: being uh, removed from the Dodge line. What yeah. what else is going on? Well, all sorts of stuff. I What I found really interesting is an article coming out of Automotive News talking about Honda and their supply chain. And they're starting to pull away from China for their sourcing of parts. So they're going to go back. Guess what? To their own home country of Japan, and start rebuilding their uh, infrastructure and networks to be able to build their parts in country. I think that that's, that's that's an amazing idea that our country ought to yeah, think about yeah. as well. Is you know bring the everything back here from the steel manufacturing to and on up to be able to make this stuff happen within our own country. And, you know, if you're going to incentivize something, incentivize the manufacturing uh, industry so that we can bring stuff back. I mean, I remember the days that you heard stories in World War II when everything, you know, we saved everything. All the metal went back to the metal plants to be able to build tanks, planes, ships, cars, trucks, whatever it took, you know, and everything was done within our own country. And it was pretty amazing. Uh, I think if that were to happen today, uh, we would be in pretty tough shape. So, uh,
0: what would it take to to uh, make it happen? I mean, uh, there would have to be some incentives. I would have to think from from the government to allow companies to do
1: that. Well, I think we have to go back and look at you know coming out of World War II and into this even sixties and seventies. Really, everything was made here in the country. Yeah, and it was because you know we were looked at as that, I guess, world superpower where we could produce almost anything that you wanted. So what was the incentive? Let's flip this around on what was the incentive for us to ship everything overseas to have stuff done? You know, was there some backdoor tax break that we didn't know about or don't understand about uh, to really make that happen? So what is it going to take to get Back in our country, I don't know what the silver bullet is, but looking at this article from Honda and they're decoupling their supply chain from China, and you know that's a pretty bold move on the part of just a one manufacturer. But I think you're going to start to see more and more follow suit. You know, I would wouldn't be surprised to see Toyota and some of these other you know companies follow suit with that coming out of Japan. So yeah, uh, you know, Japan is one of the world leaders out there, and. You know we're well known especially when i was growing up when you had the sonys the panasonics and uh, of our country yeah. uh and stuff building your electronics and now everything comes out of china so what was the incentive to send everything out to this one particular country All right exactly well i i would have to think a lot of it has to do with the cost of labor possibly yeah but uh, you know but you see now that you know the automotive industry has been hit so hard with uh, semiconductor shortages and chip shortages yeah. and whatnot that you know now all of a sudden you're seeing uh, the auto manu- manufacturers build their own chip plants, if you will, or, or help subsidize the chip manufacturers to build plants right here in our country. Is it going to happen overnight or even this year? no, but within the next couple of years. Uh, we'll start to see some of these productions hopefully brought back into the country.
0: Yeah, and, uh, but the, the cars, I, I'm assuming, from what you've told me over the years, I mean, the, the manufacturing of vehicles uh, in this country is going down year by year.
1: Well, and again, they've been hit so hard with labor shortages right now that they're struggling to find people to run the factory floors. But, you know, one of the considerations is something that we never had in our country before is now all of a sudden you've got Toyota, Honda, BMW, and on and on the list goes that have built manufacturing plants here in our country, Mm -hmm. you know.
0: Well, that's a good step. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's a step in the right direction anyway. And hopefully we'll get uh, get it back where, to where it used to be, or maybe even more, yeah. uh, more so. That yeah. would
1: be great. You know, the, the big three are no longer the big three.
0: Right, right. I mean, Detroit is not really the center of the automobile universe anymore. No, far from it. Yeah. No, far
1: from yeah. it. Yeah. So where are most of these plants uh, being built? Are they in the South? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Most of them, you know, Tennessee, Kentucky, yeah. South Carolina, or, uh, you know, in the Southern States, because... Uh, Labor seems to be a little bit cheaper down there. Cost of living, especially, is yeah. a lot cheaper than it is up here. Right, uh, and you have the the climate stability. I mean, certainly we have major temperature swings and weather swings, uh, where there is a pretty consistent down there. So you don't have to worry about snow removal or this or that. You know, maybe an yeah. occasional tornado or hurricane,
0: but you know. <laughs> yeah. Is there still any uh, manufacturing going on? Car manufacturing uh, in Detroit and vicinity?
1: Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And yeah. and a lot of the companies now are. Uh, retooling their plants to deal with hybrid and electric yeah. vehicles. So some of the plants that have been shuttered for a number of years are getting overhauled, revamped for electric vehicle production or battery production, whatever it happens to be. But that's the the wave of the future that you you talked about with uh, you know models
0: like uh, Charger and Challenger going by the wayside mm-hmm. in favor of uh,
1: the manufacturing of electric vehicles. Right. You and, know, and I think you know. We look at a very small picture of the electric vehicles, and it's, uh, as the term has been brought forth as a carbon footprint, and, you know, everybody looks at tailpipe emissions of the electric vehicle, well, guess what? There is none. But let's talk about the the carbon emissions from the power plants, you know? Uh, Guess what? These cars still have steel and whatnot that you have to come out of the steel plants, Uh, rubber tires, metal parts, and on and on. So what does it take to actually manufacture those? And is the manufacturing process, is that carbon footprint smaller or larger for an electric vehicle? Because now you've got your mining ore for the batteries and whatnot, uh, but you still have the same component, t- type of components, electronics, in your everyday uh, internal combustion engine vehicle uh, versus your electric vehicle. You know, So let's look at the big picture and see what we're really looking at. And, and is it truly that much different? Yeah, uh, in the long run, right? Uh, and
0: a, are you seeing more and more electric vehicles come into your shop or uh,
1: on, on the roads in general? On the roads in general, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, no doubt. I mean, it seems every time I, I look around, you know, as we alluded to earlier, you know, there was Rivian pickups. I saw the e-Mustang yeah. today. Right. Uh, Teslas yeah. are becoming, you know, an everyday occurrence, and not just one or two, but multitudes of yeah. them, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, it, it's out there the technology's out there I think it's a, a, a very interesting technology uh, you know of course we've had hybrid vehicles with the, the Priuses for over 20 years now which is amazing mm, yeah. and uh, so you know this is nothing new to us it's nothing that really that's going to go away this will be with us for some time but we keep coming back to that same common thread of the uh, recharging network and the infrastructure and whatnot you know and guess what? you still are running coal power plants, yeah. uh, natural yeah. gas-fired power plants, yeah. oil-fired power plants. You know, uh, the wood-fired power plants aren't as common as we think. And of course, you know, we have the bow power plant just down the street, right. which, uh, funny enough, is the cleanest coal-burning power plant in the eastern you know, part of the country. Wow,
0: that is something. It's
1: pretty amazing. That is something, know. but you know, we, we still, uh, need these
0: power plants and these uh, forms of energy mm-hmm. for the for the electric cars to operate. Right. I mean, uh, they're not going to go away. I mean, it, no matter how many charging stations you might have, it's it's not going to go away, folks. Uh, and uh, but as you said, there's uh, very little pollution. Coming from a plant like Bow, so that's that's a good thing. It
1: is, and, you know that they've put, you know, I don't know how many millions of dollars into the infrastructure of that plant to get there. Yeah. But really, the only thing coming out of that smokestack is is steam, and a, a little bit of uh, not even soot anymore. So, you right. know, with that whole scrubber that they put in, you, you don't get the. The big brown cloud that you used to you know from years ago yeah so right but what what is the answer you know do we have to invest in some nuclear power uh what is it going to take to invest in this and you know we we get back to the again the bigger picture and, and how much of our electric grid is guess what driven by the oil companies
0: yeah and uh you think nuclear power which is uh commonplace in other countries, mm-hmm. I mean, you, in other countries, you see pictures of, you know, animals grazing uh, by nuclear power plants. Yeah, well, you know? except for that one small Russian problem. Yeah, yeah, that Chernobyl <laughs> thing, yeah. yeah, And that, that kind of gave the whole nuclear uh, industry a bad name. But, uh, you know, there are lots of nuclear plants out there that have had very few issues. Exactly. Like Seabrook, for Seabrook, example. I know they yeah. had a false alarm recently, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but I mean. Better you know, a false alarm yeah, than the real thing. Yeah. exactly exactly right well you know the system works then right there Uh, you go and people listen yeah that's right that's right Dan Weed is with us from Weed Family Automotive again if you have a question for Dan feel free to give us a call 603-224-1450 because we are live it is and Company live here on WKXL and if you missed any part of the uh, first half hour of this program uh, you might want to tune again tonight at uh, 7 o'clock because it will be on again Right here on WKXL, 1039 FM in Concord, 1019 FM in the Manchester area, 1450 AM and on nhtalkradio.com. Stay with us. Don't you dare touch that dial. Welcome back. It's Cale and Company live here on WKXL and nhtalkradio.com. Dan Weed with us from Weed Family Automotive, One Twenty Four Store Street, in downtown Concord, just adjacent to uh, Main Street, so you can drop your vehicle off and explore some of the uh, great treasures on uh, Main Street in downtown Concord. Some of the great eating spots as well. Yes, because there are many. There are many, with another new one on the way down on Store Street as well. Oh, that's right, right, uh, almost adjacent to where you are. That's right. Right. Uh, they're doing a lot of work down there at the uh, what, what's that called the Capitol Plaza? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Capital Shopping Center, yeah. Capitol Plaza, yeah. right? Yeah, and uh, where Marshalls is, of course, in Burlington and uh, Market Basket, but there's going to be a new restaurant there. The 110 Grill, 110
1: and, Grill, and I believe, yeah, it's and, and Starbucks, one of those maybe.
0: expensive coffee chains that's <laughs> <is> coming in, <laughs> the Roma <laughs> Joe's or Starbucks. Yeah. Starbucks. So yeah, there you go. So you'll have more options when you drop your vehicle off at uh, Weed Family Automotive. But we were talking uh, just before the break about uh, nuclear power, nuclear energy, and, of course, the Seabrook plant has been around, uh, much to the chagrin of a lot of people, for a long time. Right. So and, 70s, and, I and, believe, and, it was built. Yeah. And I uh, yeah, remember the Clamshell Alliance yeah, and all right. that, the protest <laughs> that took place outside of uh, Seabrook while it was uh, being constructed. And and now I think it's uh, scheduled for decommissioning in 2035, oh, I wow. think, is the year. <laughs> Uh, when it's going to uh, not be in existence uh, any longer. And, uh, you know, it it would seem to me that uh, nuclear power uh, should be in our future here. And I mean, I I know there are nuclear power plants around the United States, but I I don't think it's looked
1: upon as negatively as it once was. No, I mean, in in reality, it's one of the cleanest power sources out there, short of getting rid of, the nuclear waste, yeah, uh, which obviously, you know, in getting rid of that is problematic. And I guess they're, they take and uh, bury it somewhere deep inside a mountain and, and make it go away, so to speak. And, you know, so that, that is obviously the biggest concern. But, you know, truly how much is there versus burning a fossil fuel and whatnot? And uh, as we were talking a little bit more about nuclear power, I had the opportunity uh, to watch some of the uh, TEDx series from years ago. Uh, sponsored by NASA and and whatnot and these are uh, Nobel laureates doing uh, discussions about a variety of different topics Uh, scientists physicists and whatnot and so one of the things that I came across was a a video about nuclear power and an element called thorium so they were talking about uh, the use of a thorium nuclear reactor and one of the things that I found really interesting about it, it it's a lot safer than what we're using now it's a lot more stable Uh, it's easier built and controlled. And on top of that, they can take our existing nuclear waste, uh, get the thorium out of that and now reduce, our existing nuclear waste by up to 80%. Wow. That is simple. So it's cleaner, it's safer. You're reducing the existing waste and, uh, being able to generate the electricity that we need to run the country. So why hasn't this come to the forefront of uh, one of the latest and greatest technologies in power generation? What what's holding it back? Yeah, you'd wonder because this uh, the video you saw was probably a number of years old. Yes, I exactly. Mean, right. Yeah, you know yeah. The, the TEDx series I don't think is still going, but you know a lot of these are three, four, five years old at this point. Yeah, uh, but I find them very fascinating, and the the number of different topics that they covered, you know, from uh, recycling, recycling plastics, to, again, nuclear power, uh, to uh, electric vehicles and whatnot. And uh, it's very fascinating. It's very neutral as far as, I guess, a political standpoint. And I found it highly educational.
0: Yeah, I I would say so. And uh, I I wonder why there isn't more uh, research and development into uh, thorium. Uh, you, You wonder. I guess nuclear power is not necessarily... Politically correct. Well, I, I think that's an issue. It, yeah. it is, and yeah. I think yeah.
1: the, the the building of any type of power plant right now yeah. is, is uh, a sore subject in the political world. Mm. But the reality is, if, if we're going to continue with the you know, it, and this is only one segment in the EV world, you know, right. the electric yeah. vehicle world, yeah. you know, we need to start replacing some of these aging power plants. And what are we going to replace them with? You know, um, obviously, you know, here in our state. We saw uh, the power transmission lines coming out of Canada were shot down hard. Yes. You know, yep. the gas pipeline yep. was shot down hard. Uh, you don't want coal anymore. So, all right. So what are you going to do? You know, yeah. you know <laughs> granted, and, and wind and solar don't have the capacity to generate what you need. And, you know, uh, you go out in the Midwest and you see these massive wind farms and whatnot. You know covering the landscape and even here in our north country you know you're driving through the beautiful mountains of new hampshire and what are you stuck staring at is a bunch of windmills on top of a a whole ridge of mountains yeah uh and you know again i've been snowmobiling and you get you are able to get reasonably close to these things and and they're not as quiet as you would expect them to be and i know there's some environmental issues uh dealing with wildlife as well so sure uh, yeah, you know we, i think we kind of need to go back to our roots that we know what works how it works if we can build the cleanest coal-fired plant in the eastern half of the country here in, in, in new Bowen. england yeah. in bow yeah. uh you know why isn't this technology taken on in other parts of the country uh or if the answer is you know gas-fired turbines to do the power generation yeah you know granted but we keep going back to that one common thread is we're relying on some sort of fossil fuel yeah yeah, as you said, the, uh, the Northern Pass
0: uh, project was yes. shot down by many critics mm-hmm. and eventually uh, did not come to fruition, obviously.
1: No, and you know, I, I think part of the, the whole Northern Pass thing was the way it was presented, too. I mean, mm-hmm. I think if they had come and asked for permission and right. say, hey, you know, we'd really like to do this, it would help everybody out, rather than they started in the North Country buying up you know, millions of acres of property all the way down through. And said, "We're going to do this, whether you like it or not." Was kind of the attitude that I saw. Yeah, uh, I think the outcome might have been different. You know.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I, I think it was uh, the approach was uh, part of the difficulty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way they uh, wanted to take over and, and what have you. Uh, but you know, the, the need for power is it's not going to go down. Oh. It, it's not going to go down. It's not always right. going to be on the increase now, especially with the reliance on. Yeah, electric vehicles, as you pointed out. well, It's and, not, not going to be
1: less. It's going to be more. And let's look at our, yeah. our, our everyday use. You know, grab your cell phone. Right. What do you do? Right. You plug it yeah. in and charge it at night, right? Yeah, exactly. Or your laptop computer. You're, you're taking right. around for work every day. Guess what? Yeah. You plug it in and charge it at night. Yeah. Uh, rechargeable flashlights, you know. Everything, uh, yeah. On and on the list goes. So, you know, no, the demand is not going to go down. And, you know, I think we need to start looking at what is it going to take to uh, replace, uh, refurbish, whatever it needs to be done, uh, our existing power production network. You know what? What happened to uh, the days of the hydroelectric dam? You know, Right. I'm sorry. Yes, you change, you change the rivers, you change certain things, but again, it is one of the the cleanest power production out right. there as using. Water, you know, water generation, you know, and, yeah. and that was what the- You look whole... at Hoover Dam,
0: and yeah. uh, man, it's incredible. That, that I is. Mean, it really is. Yeah. If, if you haven't been out there, you should uh, take the time. I mean, <clears throat> I know the real destination would be Las Vegas, but see the Hoover Dam. If you're yes. out there, take a tour of the Hoover Dam and uh, check it... that out, and, and you can see what, what can be done.
1: Right. I mean, that was done when? I mean, that was done- the, in the 30s, uh, yeah, I think the, yeah, the plan came yeah, out of the 30s yeah. with the uh, uh, civilian conservation yeah. corps and putting people back to work after the depression and whatnot. Right, but I think it was finally finished in the late 50s, early 60s. Yeah, and really all by hand. They didn't have the machinery that we have today or the technology right. that we right. have exactly. Today. Yeah, uh, and to see what they built, I, I did have the opportunity to tour that uh, a number of years back, and was yeah. just amazed, blown at, away at, at yeah. what it took to. Uh, Design it, engineer it, yeah. and and build it and make it happen. It was just an amazing uh, feat of engineering that still works today.
0: Yeah, and there's no reason that it that it couldn't be put in place elsewhere.
1: Right, and and probably in a lot shorter amount of time these days. Well, I think you know the thing that we, you know, if you were to build the Hoover Dam today, yeah. the the environmental. Uh, issues yeah would be staggering you know to, to work around you know they didn't have those back in the 40s 50s whatever it took you right. know we, we were just building these because we knew we had to have them to you know be ready for our future back then uh did, yeah it changed the course of a lot of things that created lakes and and stuff that we didn't have in the past so right oh uh, yeah certainly uh, a consideration but lo- look at what it's done for us
0: yeah exactly and look at what you've done for us, Dan. Weed. You've brought us up to uh, 8.45 here on uh, on WKXL. It's Kale & Company Live. Or it's not 8.45 if you're listening to it 7 to 8. It, it might just make those adjustments. <laughs> 45 minutes past the hour. But uh, at any rate, Dan Weed is with us. Weed Family Automotive, conveniently located at 124 Storrs Street in Concord. You can make an appointment right now. Bobby and Charlie standing by, 603-225-7988. Next time around, I better give Charlie top billing. There you go, We'll be back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL and nhtalkradio.com. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 1039 FM in the Concord area, 1019 FM in Manchester and beyond. And across the country, across the world, and 24 hours a day, streaming at nhtalkradio.com. And you can take us with you wherever you go. If you go on vacation, no matter where it is, you'll always have WKXL at nhtalkradio.com. Dan Weed is with us, Weed Family Automotive, 124 Store Street in Concord, weedfamilyautomotive.com, and on Facebook and Instagram and all over the uh, place. uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. you can't miss them, folks. Weed Family Automotive, been uh, in business now for how many years, Dan? 26 years. 26 years. Wow. Outstanding. They do fantastic work. And I, I want to be the record setter for, okay. for the car with the most mileage that you've ever worked on. I think it currently stands at 320, right? Yeah, we're right up around 320,000. Yeah. That's not my vehicle yet. I have a little over 100,000 to go for that. But I'm going to make it. Okay. Thanks to you guys. I understand uh, Chrysler is being hit with
1: a, an emissions suit. Yeah, so Chrysler's parent company, Stellantis. Of course, you know, here we go with these holding companies again. So Yeah. Uh, FCA, so Fiat Chrysler U.S., uh, is getting hit, or and their parent company, with a 300 million dollar emissions fraud case. So on the heels of the Volkswagen scandal, if you will, yeah. uh, which you know then went to their parent company Audi, and tied into Mercedes a little bit. Uh, but of course, Mercedes used to own Chrysler, mm. so was Mercedes involved in this back in the day, so to speak, or, or recently? Because it wasn't that long ago that Stellantis took over Fiat Chrysler. So, you know, here we go again with an in- industry-wide almost emission scandal. But, you know, this one now hits uh, home here in the U.S. with a car truck that was produced here in the country rather than, you know, oh, this was just a European country that made this, and it doesn't happen here in our country, but, well, guess right. what? Yeah. You know,
0: so, so those are the allegations. Uh, what, what
1: are the allegations in, in this uh, emissions fraud case? Uh, so they've agreed to plead guilty to criminal conspiracy charge arising from its efforts to evade emissions requirements for more than 100,000 2014 to 2016 RAM pickups and Jeep Sport Utility vehicles in its U.S. lineup. Uh, so lying about their proficiency. Yeah, or yeah. Ef- yeah. efficiency or yeah. O- of the emissions coming out of the vehicles. Yes, right, Yeah. okay. But, you know, again, this goes back to an argument that, you know, I'm going to in some way support the companies a little bit here and say that. You know, here in the U.S. alone, you have three different emission standards, the you know ridiculous California emission standards, the the federal, and then the Massachusetts and some other you know states have joined in for their own emission standard. So now imagine taking that worldwide. So you've got to produce this one vehicle that meets three U.S. standards, you know mm-hmm. standards in other countries, and and whatever. So how how do you make this happen realistically, and what would it take for you know the entire world to say adopt the, well, maybe not the California standards, but a happy medium that would work well for everybody. Because there are cars that are produced here in the U S, uh, that meet a lot of the worldwide standards, but it doesn't go the other way around. So a lot of the cars made in other parts of the world don't meet our U S standards for emissions. Mm -hmm. And so they can't bring them into this country. So there are names that, you know, makes and models that Ford GM Chrysler, uh, make in other parts of the world that you don't hear about here. And, right. and and it's no different for, you know, Toyota or Honda. There's brands that they make or, or models that they make in Japan right. uh, and other parts of uh, the Western world that we don't see here. Mm. Okay, so so
0: Ford has has uh, models in, in other parts of the, the world that are not available in the United States. That's right. Yeah. 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 Or other manufacturers as well. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So how do the uh, emission standards vary? Uh just in our own neck of the woods, are they different in New Hampshire, for example, than they are in Maine or Massachusetts?
1: Uh, Massachusetts in particular yeah. has their emissions standard. They kind of followed uh, California a little bit. And then California has their standards. And then you have the U.S. EPA standard as well. So the U.S. EPA has a, a baseline. And then people or different parts of our country have taken it upon themselves, particularly California is the number one leader, uh, to reduce that emissions. And, and make it even tighter. So are the emissions standards stricter in New Hampshire or Massachusetts? Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Yeah. Massachusetts actually adopted an emissions testing program before New Hampshire did. Uh, New Hampshire brought it in, and I hate to say it, it's probably been 15-plus years now. Uh, we do emissions testing as part of the inspection process. Right. Yeah. You know, of course, Massachusetts had a, a huge problem with their system and, and program I think it was two years ago now, if not more, where the entire system went down for almost two months. Wow. Hmm. And Maine? Uh, Maine uh, is an interesting story. I don't know what they've adopted recently. Uh, They were going to what we call a centralized testing facilities uh, that were going to be built throughout the state for emissions testing purposes. It was found out that somebody within uh, the government had connections with the person that got the contract. yeah. Yeah. And so that whole thing just went by the wayside. A little graph going on in the state of Maine, <laughs> huh? Uh, it's, right. Hard to believe. Uh, never happens. And never, never, <laughs> ever, anywhere,
0: right? But uh, at any rate, so you, know, you must be seeing more uh, electric vehicles coming into uh, Weed Family Automotive. How, how different are they to work
1: on? than a uh, gasoline powered vehicle well the the basic components are still the same really the only thing that's different is we don't have an internal combustion engine under the hood we have a battery pack and drive motors you still have steering brakes tires suspension you know body panels lights wipers uh, and all the things that we have in any other car so uh, there isn't a a great deal of difference there are some safety concerns dealing with the high voltage electricity Mm -hmm. uh as would be with our first responders out there you know One of these things gets in a crash, and there are certain protocols that have to be in place uh, before you can start cutting into them to pull somebody out and rescue them. Wow. Yeah. So do they need
0: as much maintenance as a gas-powered vehicle?
1: Oh, well, you're not—well, i got to be careful when I say this. So you're not doing engine oil changes anymore. Right. Uh, But one of the things that you don't hear about, and we found out uh, looking at a Tesla recently, that the— Drive boxes or gearboxes, motor boxes in these have oil and filter in them. Ah, they do. <laughs> they do. Wow, uh, I've not been able to Little find well known fact, right? folks. <laughs> so I've not been able to find a uh, a service recommendation for changing the the drive fluid in the gearbox or the filter yet, uh, because you know. There is very little information that Tesla has released for the service industry, which goes back to a battle that we've been fighting for years with the Right to Repair Act and getting that passed through, which is, you know, I'll give him credit. One of the things that Mr. Biden has done is he, you know, pushed that legislation through. But it carries down through not only the auto industry, the trucking industry and the farming industry as well. And one of the farmers were having a, a huge problem getting the information they needed to fix their tractors and stuff, and of course, we don't often give thought to what the technology in tractors is these days. But with the efficiency they have, fuel burn and whatnot, there is electronic technology in these tractors that uh, never would have been in place, you know, even ten plus years ago, you know, with GPS technology, with uh, automated steering, automated plant, you know, planting, uh, planting tracks, and knowing, you know, soil mapping all built within the tractor itself. So it's pretty amazing what you see. So they were having a a huge problem Mm. getting information from certain manufacturers to be able to fix the tractors themselves in the field, and now all of a sudden you need a laptop to be able to fix your tractor when it goes down in the middle of the field. It it presents some pretty interesting challenges. Are are there as many people uh, vying to become automotive technicians now as there have been in the past? I think it's like anybody else there's a huge shortage of people coming into the industry Uh, but it's like anything else you know we make a a pretty decent living Uh, we're not rich by any standard so to speak but you can make a very comfortable living in our industry Mm -hmm. uh, coming into it and we have great training programs in place from uh, local high schools through the uh, community college system but we'd love to see more people coming into it and and have the same passion that we were able to grow up with, you know, working on cars and right. seeing, yeah. you know, because it, it is truly... Do you see that these days? I mean, like in in our era,
0: and although I wasn't one of them, but I, I know, uh, you know, friends of mine that were, that love to get in the garage, work on mm-hmm. their own cars. I'm sure you were one of them. Yeah. yeah. And,
1: and uh, but do you see as much of that these days? It's, it's different now. I mean, yeah. you know, there's so much uh, electronics involved these days that now you come into computer programming you know changing the mapping in the cars you know with a laptop and whatnot and and so it's a little bit different when in than in my day we were changing you know carburetors and and so on and so forth to get more performance we put a different camshaft in it uh you know we bored the cylinders out and you can still do these things but when it comes to putting it back together now you need to tune it with a, a a computer program yeah so
0: that, that, therein lies the huge difference
1: right there. Uh, uh, what about women? Are more women getting, uh, starting to get into you know, automotive technology? We're starting to see more. I mean, I'd love to see more than we have, yes. But you know, throughout the industry itself, you know, from uh, technicians to service advisors to parts people, uh, we are starting to see more and more women get into the field, and, and it's great to see. And uh, I guess, finally, any uh, any change in the
0: supply chain? Has it gotten any better in recent weeks? Oh, no. It's, it's it's, same. Huh? You know, the same. The, yeah.
1: the prices, like anything else, have gone up, and the supply issues are still there, and I don't foresee a fix for it anytime soon.
0: Dan Weed, always great uh, information. You uh, take us behind the scenes in the automotive industry, and we really appreciate that. And uh, welcome anytime here on Kale & Company, Weed Family Automotive, conveniently located at 124 Stores Street in Concord call Charlie or Bobby for an appointment right now. See, Charlie, you got first billing that time around. (laughs) 603-225-7988 or you can go online at WeFamilyAutomotive.com Dan, always great to see you. Thanks, it's good to be here. Hope to see you soon. And that'll do it for this edition of Kale & Company. If you missed it, catch it again at 7 o'clock right here on WKXL and NHtalkradio.com Have a great Thursday.